When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there. Welcome to Planet Football. I'm very excited because this is Grant Wall, but I've got a partner today, Monday, and every Monday from now on, Luis Miguel Echegaray, welcome. Vamos! <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy we, like, finally start this off. Yeah. I mean, we'll explain to you sort of what we're doing here with the podcast, the Planet Football podcast. It's been around a long time. We're going to two episodes a week. And on Mondays, ready for your drive time listening pleasure in the afternoon, should come out around 4 p.m. Eastern. So it's perfect, right? We're going to talk the weekend. We're going to look back at the weekend that was in soccer. Uh, we're going to continue to have on Thursdays an interview episode where I interview someone interesting uh, from the world of soccer. Are you uh, saying I'm not interesting, Grant? Is that what it's uh, uh, Yes. <laughs> that, that is exactly what I'm saying, my friend. It's part of my contract, I think. But I'm excited about this for a lot of reasons, including the fact that I get to work more with Luis Miguel, who, uh, if you watch our video show, Planet Football, we've been doing for... What three seasons Nearly over two years? Hundred episodes, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so we have a lot of fun with that show. It comes out on Thursday nights and Fridays, um, and is something we think you should definitely check out. We'll refer to it in the people we interview. But the way the dates work out, that usually is about looking forward to events. And in this podcast episode on Mondays, we'll be looking mostly backward at the weekend, and so. We're looking forward to to sharing that experience with you. But before we get going talking Premier League, uh, which is what we're going to start with most weeks, I would think, uh, on this podcast on Mondays, uh, let's give people an idea, if you don't know us, who we are. Who are you, man? Oh, man. I've been asking that myself for so many years. <laughs> who am I? Such an existential question for the beginning of the week. Well, as Grant said, uh, I am so proud and happy to be part of this soccer team at Sports Illustrated. I'm the head of Latino content at SI, but also I'm Grant's other half in the game. We uh, co-host Planet Football TV. I'm also a writer, a presenter, and everything soccer and Latino related. And, you know, this is just uh, just one of the other ventures that we'll be doing, and I'm so so happy i'm also a, uh, an unapologetic lifelong aston villa fan so if you ever hear me talking about aston villa in a biased way i'm not apologizing for it <laughs> awesome give people a little bit of a, a kind of a background on 
your nationality, nationalities, and yeah, right. your your Jeez. story. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Peruvian. My entire family is Peruvian. I grew up in Peru, but you know, I also uh, grew up from 11 to 23 in England. So you know, in London and and Surrey, and and I have a very close affinity with with the United Kingdom. My sister still lives there. My family still lives there. And I moved to the U.S. when I was 20. You know, after college in England, I, I was an actor for 15 years. Uh, so Check out you, his IMDb page. Yep, I know. It's right there. It's still postered on my refrigerator. Uh, so, yeah, you could definitely uh, shamelessly uh, look at some of the projects I've done in the past. And, uh, you know, I came into this game of sports media, what, 2017? So it's really not long, 2016. Uh, but, you know, that that's really my, my story. And I've been in New York now. I've been in New York now since 2003. And I've been at Sports Illustrated for 23 years, which makes me feel really old now. You are like an OG. You're an SIOG. <laughs> El viejo. I've been covering soccer from the start, actually, since 1996, which happened to be the first year of MLS. But I used to do soccer on the side, mostly. I would do basketball uh, from 96, basically through 2009. And starting in 09, I became a full-time soccer writer and have thoroughly enjoyed that and seeing the sport continue to grow in the U.S. And honestly, if I went back to 96 or even maybe 2006, I would not have predicted soccer would get to be as big as it is today. Well, listen, you're one of the main reasons why this has happened. I mean, he, he's been very humble, but like, you know, one of the reasons why SI is really growing in this game and the beautiful game of ours is because, you know, you've been here for part of it for, you know, 20 plus years. It's an incredible achievement. And I'm just so lucky and happy to be part of this team and, you know, rock on, my friend. Well, one of my great pleasures uh, in my SI career has been getting to work with Luis Miguel and co-host things, and this is just one more. We actually struggle sometimes to try to find things we disagree about. <laughs> yeah, so There's actually a segment on the show about it, right? Th there is uh, on our video show, and so uh, we will not try and create conflict, but if... We will get excited in a positive way if we actually find something that we disagree on because we kind of look at soccer in, in very, we think, are hopefully thoughtful ways. Yeah, 1,000%. So let's dive in. Uh, let's you know start with the Premier League. Basically, the podcast every Monday is going to be we're going to start with the Premier League. Then we're going to talk about uh, maybe other stuff in Europe, maybe occasionally elsewhere. And then we're going to talk about U.S. soccer in the last part of the podcast. And hopefully that will keep people out there happy in terms of what what we think is something, what's on our radar screens, I guess. You know, U.S. soccer is sort of a, a fragmented uh, situation because so many people watch different leagues around the world. And uh, we recognize that, but we also want to... Uh, make some sense of it and give you an idea of what we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and listen, weeks. we know, right, there is so much action, specifically on the weekend, all the way from the U.S. to South America, Europe, the women's game is growing. We're not going to cover everything, people. Chill, all right? But what we will try and give you is the best rounded idea of what's happened, and, and hopefully, you know, we'll incorporate you guys, uh, you know, at some point to see what else we want to talk about. So let's begin. And the story of the weekend is Norwich beating... Manchester City in the Premier League, three to two in this game. Insane game, my friend. What were you thinking as you were watching this on the weekend? Well, the first thing I was thinking was, man, Carrow Road is just such a great stadium. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, just the quintessential English you know, arena crowd that was just so happy at seeing such a historic victory. All right, listen, in terms of the game itself, in, in many ways, right, I think you can say that... You know, 
Manchester City was unlucky, right? There was a 70% possession. They obviously outdid themselves in terms of shots. I mean, Raheem Sterling hit the post. Agüero was kind of off, um, even though he scored the, 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 the goal for, for Man City, the opening goal for Man City. So you could say on that side. But on the other side, this was actually something that was coming for Man City. Me and you have talked about the fact that they are going to be struggling at the back. Right, especially since uh, Americ Laporte's injury, they only have two starting center backs, and Otamendi, who I, I'm sorry to say, don't think that Passed much it. highly. Right? Passed it. And look at that goal that happened. Right? That was a re- there's 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 one thing to be careless, and then there's the fact that you see the high press. Wendia is right there. What are you thinking? Right? So I don't necessarily think that it was just about. Bad luck, but this was something coming. They have been sleepwalking sometimes into matches, and Norwich City didn't let them off for the for this game, and very well deserved for Farka and his team. Well, we literally led off our Planet Football video show last week before this game, talking about the impact of Americ Laporte being injured and out until 2020. Yeah, and what that could mean. And we talked about how John Stones, Nicholas Otamendi are really kind of shaky and that's exactly what happened these guys look like they hadn't played together ever before in this game they even had a couple other situations where they could have given up a goal then they did when Otamendi just completely went to sleep and uh you know you look at Vince and company leaving and the level at which Vince and company was playing finishing up that last season that championship season with Man City and you start to wonder maybe they should have had Vince and company stick around another year, maybe sign him for another year, you know? Uh, maybe Vince and company would prefer that right now considering how things are going at right. you, you Listen, you can't try and win the Premier League with just two key, you know, center backs. And obviously Laporte was the third and he was actually the starting center back. But the, you need to think, especially when you're not just thinking about the Premier League. I mean, Pep Guardiola's ultimate goal is to win the Champions League with Manchester City. This is, But listen, I don't want to just focus so much on the center backs because I do think that we have to give a lot of credit to Norwich. I oh, yeah. Th- their strategy was fantastic. It was a timely pressing system that allowed Norwich to push when they wanted to push. Jonathan Wilson had a great piece for us uh, you know, regarding this game. And one of the things that he said was like, if you want to beat Manchester City, if you want to beat Goliath, you got to become Goliath. And you just got to take them on in every way. And that's exactly what they did. I like the way Norwich has approached games at big teams. So they started the season at Liverpool. And I know the scoreline was 4-1. to one, But they actually played that game pretty well at times. And... I think their main question is going to be, can they stay up, obviously? But when you look at this game, when you see how they are playing their games, I think they will stay up. Yeah. And it's just really cool for me when we have this assumption now that certain teams are just going to win the league and they're too good when a team like Norwich beats City. That's just so great to start this season. And let's not forget the last season. January In January, Liverpool was ahead by seven points. You know, and then, you know, obviously City went on that sort of 14-game winning rampage and then they won. And Man City last season even also lost to teams, you know, below their level, just like Crystal Palace, etc. So it's still early, but the warning signs are there for Guardiola, absolutely. And when you only have two centre-backs to rely on right now, and one of them is Otamendi, 
I'm sorry to say it's it's going to be an obstacle. I do wonder how quickly he might make a change to Fernandinho mm. in the central defense. I don't know if like Rodri is is being thought of as that as a possibility. He had a nice goal actually in this game. Yeah, but, he might be too valuable in the midfield, but Fernandinho for sure. But right now, Stones and Otamendi. And here comes the Champions League. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and they're on the road this week. Um, you mentioned 14 straight wins. Well, there's another team that has 14, 14 straight league wins. Who's in the that, Premier my league. friend? That would be Liverpool, <laughs> Luis Miguel. <laughs> and, By the way, SI office is very Liverpool heavy, our managing editor being one of them. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. But like, they're hard not to, to enjoy following right now. And it really does seem to me like Liverpool has put together the possibilities for a season that combines how good they were defensively last year with how good they were on the attack two seasons ago. And if they do that, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. Yeah. One of the things that I tweeted right after uh, the Man City loss, the Norwich win, was that Klopp needs to now reinforce the need for perfection more than ever. I know it's easier said than done, but now this is the time when the the mountain needs to keep growing for Liverpool. If I'm looking at this Newcastle game, by the way, from this weekend, you know, this is and this is not like a surprising, you know, comment or anything revealing here, but Mohamed Salah is not Liverpool's most important player at this moment. You have a tremendous, and that says a lot about this squad. Sadio Mane is now become not just important for Liverpool, but for the Premier League Most itself. important attacking player. 1,000%. And then you think about, obviously, Virgil van Dijk and Alisson, who's still recovering. But they have a squad now where before, you know, two seasons ago, perhaps, it was about Mohamed Salah. Right and how to support Mohamed Salah. This is not the case. I look at Roberto Firmino, by the way, coming in for Origi, who got injured. That little flick ball to him for Mohamed Salah's goal, unbelievable. This is a really good squad. It's still September, but I'm thinking that Jurgen Klopp needs to now say, listen, we need to just keep building on this and be perfect because any slip-up will be detrimental. Well, did you include Champions League in that? Because midweek, they're going to Napoli. Yeah, big game. Um, which, you know, that's going to be a tough game for them. And they weren't great in the group stage on the road last year in Champions League. No. Yeah, that's right. And that, I think that's a key thing. The Champions League comes in. So now it doesn't matter how good you are. You have to stay healthy because if you don't stay he- healthy, then what's going to happen? And with Origi's injury, that will be a problem. Let's see what happens in January, too. You never know who could come in. But the key is stay healthy and keep building. And this could be, you know, maybe Liverpool's year for the Premier League. It's still early, but anything can happen. They're up five right now, by yeah, the way, 15 well, points. There you go. Um, they will be, Liverpool is at Chelsea next weekend. Let's talk about Chelsea because Chelsea gets a somewhat surprising, at least in the margin of victory, 5-2 win at Wolves and uh, a nice win for Frank Lampard given the results we've seen so far. Yeah, so, I mean, if we think about this game, right, Chelsea at Wolves, uh, we were already talking about, and I mentioned that, you know, remember when we were talking about who are you more worried about, Manchester United or Chelsea this weekend, um, my worry was more United because I felt that Wolves is going through a bit of a sophomore slump Mm. where they're, like, not right now figuring out everything and obviously, like you said, this scoreline was not something that I was going to expect, but Chelsea were great. Chelsea were, and Tammy Abraham, you know, Their somebody guy. somebody that I think very highly of, obviously played for Villa on loan last season. Um, I know how good he is. He's 21 years old, but he has everything in his pocket. I mean, he can 
had the ball, which he does very well. He scored a, a great header. He holds the ball really well, but he's also super quick. For somebody that tall, he has such good ability on the feet. And that, please, guys, watch that last goal that made his hat trick. It was such a great move. Quintessential Tammy Abraham. But the last thing that I'll say about Chelsea. The transfer ban ends up being a gift in disguise because what they're doing now is they're rethinking their philosophy from a youth perspective. Mason Mount, Tomori, Tammy Abraham, all Chelsea graduates, and they're all key parts of this first team. So it's no longer now, oh, what are we going to do without Hazard? It's more about how are we going to grow and develop these young players? And maybe that's why, you know, it was such a good idea to bring in Frank Lampard in this in this setup. We'll see. This was just one it's game, still obviously. Early, right. and so, like, I know you've got things to say about Pulisic, too. And, and I do, because you know, Christian Pulisic ends up leaving the United States national team early and missing the second game of the international window against Uruguay. And they said they did this so that it would help him at Chelsea. And like that makes sense at the time, as long as he plays. He didn't play a minute in this game. Luis yeah, that's that's surprising. And Frank Lampard for, for the price tag, yeah. And Frank Lampard, I don't know the exact communication with Greg Berhalter on this, but Frank Lampard owes Greg Berhalter one now. Yeah. Do you think that there's a possibility? I mean, obviously, you know, Valencia coming for the Champions. He'd better League. start it in Champions League right. against Valencia at the we? very least. Have like you know a, a significant amount of minutes. This is a tremendous amount of money spent on on the Americans. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, it was very surprising to me that he left early. He didn't play in that Uruguay game. He came home to London early for for Chelsea and for him not to feature at all. Especially now, granted, they had an injury sub. Right. Right. Uh, but Two, still, right? just not to feature. I mean, I would have at least thought that maybe even after 50 minutes, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, you know, Valencia, which is in its own turmoil right now, yeah, goes to Stanford Bridge, yeah. uh, new coach uh, midweek, and so you would think this is an opportunity for Chelsea to get a uh, a win in Champions League, which would be a, a really nice way to start their campaign, but also for Christian Pulisic, a guy who has plenty of Champions League experience over the years now with Dortmund, he really needs to start. Yeah, I'll be very surprised if he doesn't. It's at Stanford Bridge, right? Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, I see I see definitely him, you know, at least getting some minutes, but I should see him starting for sure. So let's talk about some other news headlines outside of England in Europe. And I want to talk to you about Ansu Fati. <laughs> Ansu Fati. 16 years old. Dios mio. Unbelievable <laughs> for Barcelona. I mean, like, goal and assist in the first seven minutes of his first start. He's been good before this. And... Like, what are you seeing? Like, like, and do you have to rein yourself in a little bit when you see something like this? Okay, so it's really difficult, right, to not create hyperbole in this day and age, right? But here's a 16-year-old kid come through the academy, La Masia. He is he, that performance? He broke every record, by the way. Like the youngest scorer for Barcelona, I think the first. Or youngest scorer to you know to score and assist in the same game in La Liga. I mean, he. But if you watch this game, 
I mean, his goal was one thing, right? Really nice finish, first time in the box, across from the young. His second, like his assist for the young, where he just loses his defender so quickly, finds the young for the goal. And he, this kid is 16 and is fearless, Yeah. right? Right now there are questions whether, you know, Spain wants him, right? He still has to make a decision internationally, but that's for another day, I guess. But at 16 years old, when Messi's just coming from recovery, Luis Suarez to, you know, to just add that, you know, much of an influence on, you know, arguably one of the best teams in the world right now, if not the best. It's absolutely amazing. The fact that he's 16. What were you doing at 16, by the way? I, Dude. I wasn't starting for Camp Nou, that's for sure. He never played for Barcelona B. Right. He just skipped it. He's something. Right? <laughs> he is something. And I'm so happy for him, obviously. Uh, I hope the trajectory just keeps going. But you know, now, you know, what happens, by the way, when Messi comes back fully healthy? Obviously, Messi will start. Suarez then, is back after right. being injured. Dembele is still hurt. Like, what happens when they, they are healthy? Does he just I think Dembele is I think the Dembele is the odd one out for sure. And then but then you have Griezmann, Messi and Suarez. You cannot not start this kid if he's doing this well. Never Can you mind imagine if they got Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> Neymar would also be on the bench right now. But it's like it's like Chelsea a little bit in the sense of there is a reason for a really young player to get an opportunity. Now it's not yeah. the exact same reason cuz obviously there's no transfer ban at, at Barcelona right now, but I like seeing young players get an opportunity like this. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so happy for him. And, you know, just like you said, you know, the fact that he's an academy product and, you know, that's what we want to see. And that's the same thing we're talking about Chelsea. We want to see these young, talented kids rise up. I mean, how do you think we got Lionel Messi, right? Through Correct. I, I would also point out, people should check out Sid Lowe's article in The Guardian yeah. on Ansu Fati. He also, I don't know if this was a copy editing error or if he calls him Fati Ansu at one point in the story. So oh. I'm wondering if this might be like a John, you know, Michael Obi situation where like we got to make sure we get the guy's name right. Well, Guys, send us information and then we'll correct it next week. But I've always thought it was Ansu Fati, but right. if we need so, to correct it, let's let's hear it. Maybe it's a Guardian copy editor mistake. Yeah. Who knows? But the other thing I would just say is that um, you know, I'm really, really excited to see what Barcelona can do when they're at full strength, once they get Lionel Messi back. He is on the trip to Dortmund. Uh, so we might see him against Dortmund in Champions League. Yep, and Neto's back to healthy. A, a, a healthy Barcelona this season is a scary Barcelona. We'll see what happens. We mentioned Neymar. Got to talk about this situation here. <sighs> he makes his return to PSG, and we already saw earlier in the season when he wasn't playing for PSG, their fans were just calling him out with banners and chants, and it was even worse when he comes onto the field at home against Strasbourg this weekend. Listen, yeah, like you said, like obviously the the ultras came out in full effect to to boo and jeer and have uh, you know obscene uh, banners for him. Yeah, we can have that discussion, and we can even have another discussion about what you think about Neymar himself and what's happened throughout the last four months, six months, year, two years, of course. But you have to tip your hat off in this specific situation. Here's a a player he came on. He was booed and jeered every single time he touched the ball by his own fans, right? Just think about it as a person, what like that feels like. And, you know, it's nil-nil. Kaylor Navas had a great game, by the way. Um, you know, PSG struggling for three points. We're in stoppage time. It's 0-0. Yeah. And then he scores a tremendous goal. I mean, 
regardless of what you think of him as a player. He still got it. You still have it, and that's what we want to see. I Listen, I, I've been a fan of Neymar from the Santos days, when he just played like he was on the playground. I want to see that more often. Uh, exactly. That's what I want more of. That's what I want. I want the old Neymar back. And I believe there's something still there. Unfortunately, one of the things that we always talk about is that something that worries me is that his agent is his father. And I feel like that hasn't always been the best Having thing your for family him. as uh, and your agent, not a good idea. Hey, don't tell a Peruvian, man, because otherwise <laughs> I have my tia, my cousins all trying to get in. No way. <laughs> oh, shoot. So i very curious to see what happens with Neymar. Yeah. If that relationship gets better, he acknowledged after the game, I'm going to treat every home game like an away game. He was pretty grim about the whole thing. The one of the few times I can remember a superstar getting booed by their home fans is David Beckham by the LA Galaxy fans when he came back to the Galaxy in the summer of 2009 off his loan with Milan, and he had tried to force a full transfer to Milan, didn't get it, and then my book came out, and then you know, like Landon Donovan <laughs> calling him out and stuff, and then the LA fans went after him, and he went back at him, but eventually he won him over, and you know people have, a, I think, a pretty short attention span on this type of thing and if psg goes and makes finally this long-awaited deep run in champions league the cat calls and boos will for neymar will end oh 1000 neymar takes psg to the final wins the final forget it it's all over there's nothing like the fickle sports fan and that that will happen anytime Let's also talk about the big game in Germany this weekend between RB Leipzig, Bayern Munich. This was a real opportunity for Leipzig at home to make a statement that, you know, there's another team besides even Dortmund that could win the Bundesliga, besides Bayern, which seems to win every year. Um, And this game ends up 1-1. Lewandowski silences the crowd early. Thomas Mueller with a tremendous ball. He he was starting in place of uh, Coutinho who they decided not to not to start because of the travel situation. Yeah, it was, it was smart. He was coming from the U.S. and stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and Mueller is, you know, he's just turned 30. It's not like he's 35 or something. And right. I think people have sort of written him off to some extent. And that was just a, a, a great ball. And then Lewandowski being Lewandowski. And that really, like Bayern dominated the first half. And, and it was crazy that you go into halftime at 1-1 because Yusuf Paulson ends up drawing a penalty, which was a legit penalty, uh, Forsberg converts, second half more even, ends up 1-1. I still think Bayern is going to be really disappointed that they didn't get three points here. Oh, 1,000%. I mean, you know, this, first of all, you thought it was going to be a goal fest just because the way that it started. Robert Lewandowski, the best center right. nine in the world. Right? I mean, Lewandowski is incredible, right? And you thought, okay, here we go. But, you know, it was a tough contest. Bayern Munich had 70% possession, but funnily enough, they only had two more shots than Leipzig. So that says a lot, right? There was a lot of control for Bayern. But when it came to actual chances and threat, then it was pretty even. And I, but I'm with you. I think Bayern's going to come off this game thinking we could have had this one. We probably should have had it. Leipzig, a little happier perhaps. But again, just like the Man City-Liverpool situation, it's still September, still early. But it was a great game. And, you know, once again, just proves that Lewandowski, you give him an inch, he will take a mile and possibly a hat trick. He's just unbelievable. Best center forward in the world? I think so. Who's, let's, let's actually discuss this right. right now. I mean, and we didn't plan this, so I just kind of threw that yeah. out there. But like, <laughs> I mean, when he's healthy, I think Suarez is still awfully good. Yeah. But he's on his way out, I think, at, at Barcelona. Uh, Griezmann is going to get consideration for that as well. Um, 
people in England will say Harry Kane. Um, I mean, when you like Mbappe. I mean, I think Benzema deserves a, a, a mention. Serious? Well, you yeah, know, nice he's, he's literally the only <laughs> positive thing of Real Madrid right now, and he's been that for a while, actually, even when Ronaldo was there. But no, I'm with you. All those names take the boxes, but you, when you look at what he offers. Oh, yeah. From a goal-scoring perspective, I mean, Luis Suarez, to me, would also be probably the even there, but Lewandowski is just the epitome of consistency, and his injury list is not as long as Luis Suarez, so we have more of a resume to fall back on. Obviously, people will say he plays in a in a weaker league, arguably. Sorry, Bundesliga fan, but you know the Bundesliga is not as strong as the Premier League or La Liga, so you would want to see Lewandowski in those leagues, but... Everything that he offers, day in and day out, Robert Lewandowski to me is the best number nine in the world. I thought it was interesting last week, Florentino Perez, the president of Real Madrid, said publicly, we have tried to get Lewandowski for many years and have been un- unable to do so. Which, by the way, not the coolest thing to say for Benzema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> and I don't believe a word of that. <laughs> You've been trying. I mean, I will say this: just because Madrid is interested in somebody doesn't mean they're going to get him. And, oh, one thousand percent. Bayern does drive a hard bargain when it comes to to deals, and obviously the player has to want to go. But sometimes, even when the player wants to go, the deal doesn't get done. Damn right. We'll so see. let's move on. U.S. Soccer. Let's finish up the show here. Zlatan Ibrahimovic has another hat trick for the LA Galaxy. The Galaxy beats Kansas City 7-2. Suddenly, the Galaxy is on the right side of the playoff line again. That's going to be. A storyline, I think, that goes to the end of the regular season here. Can the Galaxy avoid missing the playoffs for the third straight year? Here's a quote from Zlatan after the game. I think the two years I've had here, I've done good things, amazing things, and perfect things. I think I'm the best ever player in MLS, and that's without joking. I'm kind of disappointed you didn't do it in a Zlatan voice. Sorry. My impression is not as good these days. I think I'm the best player in MLS, and (laughs) that's without joking. Listen, it sounded Russian. <laughs> I know. So, sorry, Slatin. I got to work on my Swedish. Um, listen, I mean, he has an ar- argument, right? I mean, obviously, his, uh, you know, he hasn't been here that long, but we are talking about Slatin Ibrahimovic, somebody who's done and seen it all. I mean, obviously, you got Landon Donovan, right, and other players, but he's not wrong, and if he helps, you know, LA Galaxy win MLS Cup, you you don't know that. I mean, we talked about this in the show on Thursday on the video show. Not making the playoffs in MLS is kind of a joke, like when, especially when you're a team like LA Galaxy. This game, by the way, against Sporting Kansas City, um, a lot of credit should go to Pavon. Like I think he's pa- good. Pavon, Such a huge addition. He for that. like completely drew the strings there, pushing everything, pa- you know, passing the ball well. You know, the attacking midfielder online from Boca Juniors, but Ibrahimovic was fantastic, and his hat trick was, you know, the first one was obviously a missed penalty, then he's rebounded, but then after that it got better and better and better. I mean, Slatan is Slatan. You need, like, five people on him. But, you know, I mean, who who's to say when he finishes MLS if, you know, he doesn't have an argument? Here's what I would say. When you say, I'm the best ever player in MLS, if you go on everyone's career, yes, he is. He is. I mean, Thierry Henry is a guy who I guess you could... You know, wonder Argue. about, or yeah. maybe even Lothar Mateus, right? Mm. So, but I don't think that's what he's saying here. He's actually saying, in the two years I've had here, I am the best ever player in MLS. And that's where you kind of say, well, uh, actually, Carlos Vela is having a statistically better season right now in the same city that you're living in, right? Even if you've 
not lost to LAFC yet. Right. Um, and I would also say Robbie Keane has had some tremendous years as a DP, winning championships in MLS. And and so you're kind of like, if you're going to say this, this is lots of meetings, Latin, obviously. But like, you know, win a league, man. Yeah. Let, let's win something. T well, take your team to the playoffs, right? Yeah. And, and let's see what happens. But yeah, I think I'm with you on the four, on the latter point. This is Slatten being Slatten. And we love Slatten. So. <laughs> in terms of the East in MLS, kind of under the radar now, NYCFC is five points clear of everybody in the East. Their rivals are Philadelphia and Atlanta. Philly tied LAFC 1-1. Atlanta lost at home 3-1 to to Columbus. I saw that game, makes man. absolutely no sense. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, like, is something wrong with Atlanta again? This is their second straight loss on either side of the FIFA window. And you always get the sense that, you know, their rise up the standings, there was still discontent from several publicly from players on that team as recently as July. You always felt like if things started not, if, it's, if they started not winning again, that it could get bad again. And I'm wondering if that's a possibility here. Yeah. Let's talk about Atlanta and then I want to mention NYCFC, yeah. but Atlanta first. Listen, I saw that game. Defensively, they're not with it. Miles Robinson was like, horrible. Horrible. They're not with game. it. They're not. They have a lot of offensive threat. Obviously, Joseph Martinez, P.T. Martinez, you know, Nagby is playing well. They have talent, but when they lose the ball, again, they just they were all over the place. All over the place. So, yes, the answer is yes. They're going back to the early slump of the beginning of the season. I don't, you know, you never know. Once the playoffs come in and they make the playoffs, obviously, then obviously we can you know, regroup and rethink how they're going to be. But right now, defensively, especially when they just lost possession, they're an absolute mess. In terms of NYCFC, I think that when David Villa left, something really important happened with this team. They decided to sort of be um, a really flexible in all their offensive threats. When you, this team right now with Toronto is multi-dimensional in terms of where the goals is, are coming from. Castellanos, Mitrita, you know, Keaton Park scored his first yeah, goal this he's week. he's been good. Yeah, he has been good. And, you know, this is with Heber being injured, right? So the threats are coming from everywhere. So when it works, it works. And that's really something refreshing to see because we thought what's going to happen when a David Villa team, a team that relied so much on David Villa, what's he going to do offensively? And this is the answer. There's talent everywhere. And, and a lot of credit should go to this team because they, they can score from anywhere. Well, we had Dome Toron in studio last week on Planet Football TV. Check out that interview if you get a chance because yeah, he was wonderful. Um, obviously talking about his history with Pep Guardiola, but also about this NYCFC team. And it's in English and Spanish. Both. Tell me another show where you see that. Well, there's probably a few, but like, still, you should definitely check it out. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about not having Eber at the start of the season when they did not win in their first six games. They get Eber, and things started looking up from that point. Now they're going to not have him for a month, and yet they're still getting wins and yeah. getting results against a good San Jose team that went up one nothing in this game, another Wando goal. Uh, and then Matias Almeida, <laughs> coach of San Jose, who's great box office, by the way. I, I love having him in the league. Questions the width of the uh, Yankee Stadium field afterward. And, and let's be clear here, they got to get out of there. And, no, and, they, and as, we talk to him, and they, they're trying, Yeah, right? we even talk about yeah. it with Toronto. Yeah. But I will also say this. 
I literally, with a tape measure, <laughs> have did. measured the width yep. of the Yankee Stadium field back in my glory days, not so glory days, as a sideline reporter for and, Fox Sports. And the answer is seven or seventy yards. So, so like, I, I literally bought one of those like big round tape measures, yeah. and w- with Alexi Lalas went onto the field before the game, measured it out, and so. I get that there's some like optical stuff going on, I think, when you look at a game on the Yankee Stadium, the, the field, the way it's measured and stuff. And let's you know be honest here. Games are affected by the narrowness of this field. Get out of there as quickly as possible, but it actually is 70 yards. Yeah, it fits the rules. And listen, Almeida's uh, San Jose didn't lose this because of the width of the game. They lost it because they were just not quick enough to receive them in the midfield. So it's not, I mean, but we talked to Torrent, we've talked to NYCFC. They want to get out of that stadium. They're trying very hard. Obviously, the New York estate is hard, but, you know, everybody wants the same thing. But Almeida San Jose did not lose because of the width of that pitch. Let's go through a lightning round to finish up this episode. Let's do it. First off, Seattle fan walk out. This is a story that just continues with MLS. And I think this MLS policy on so-called political signage in games is the single dumbest thing the league has done since the whole Anthony Precourt Columbus move situation which was a disaster until they finally found an owner for Columbus. But it was just handled so poorly. It was almost, um, it, it was just like, just treating your, your best fans, your most devoted fans terribly. And so they have a walkout, the ECS in Seattle this past weekend. And obviously we've seen what's happened in Portland where there's been protests there. When is MLS going to figure this out and do the right thing to work with their supporters groups to find a policy that can be mutually agreed upon? No, see, that's it. That's it. I'm not going to say too much more of it. it the, MLS could have like nipped it in the bud way earlier than it could have happened. They chose to be very ambivalent and silent and sort of, you know, no, we, you know, specific. Whatever you may think and your side is on in terms of, you know, uh, any kind of political, you know, message or any kind of the MLS did not do enough early on to try and communicate with clubs and team supporters groups to try and get this rectified. And there lies an example what happened this weekend. And it's only going to continue. Yeah. And it leaves like this impression that the league is creating this equivalence almost between Nazis and people who have an iron front symbol on a banner. Yeah, you got to be specific. And you can't tiptoe about these things. That's you crazy. have to un- it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Also, shout out to Heather O'Reilly. Oh, scores yeah. a Golazo on the night she's honored for her career in North Carolina. North Carolina Courage scores 6 again, this yeah. time against Orlando, which has completely gone in the tank after their coach, Mark Skinner, um basically said he was God's gift to coaching. <laughs> And that if his team's not doing well, it's basically his players, it's not the game plan. Giving Phil Neville a run for English coaches who are sort of just deluded about their abilities, I think. Right yeah, now. absolutely. But this is all about O'Reilly. Yeah, sorry, I, I got my tangent there. 231 go, caps for the U.S. International. I mean, just a tremendous career. I love that. I mean, that goal was just perfect. That was a great goal. Uh, so very, very happy for a 6-1-2, like such a great way to 
just honor one of the greatest players the U.S. women's national team has that, ever seen. That comes off a 6 nothing win at Portland. Yeah, so right now it's right looking now. like North Carolina could be in a great position to win again in, once the playoffs start. They're obviously the defending champions. Um, anything else going on? Jesse Marsh? debuts this week in Champions League as the first American ever to coach in the group stage of UEFA Champions League. We had Jesse on Planet Football, our video show last week. You should check out that interview. He gave a great interview, oh. and it wasn't just about um, you know, his journey and what to expect in the Champions League with Salzburg, but it was also about the development of American male players and you know what his views are. He gave some great examples on Miazga, uh, Tyler Adams. He has his thoughts on Pulisic. Like he, he's a great, great uh, person and brain in the American soccer world. And I, I mean, I wish him the best of luck. He's uh, he's got a really young, talented squad there. And also, he drew a group with Napoli and Liverpool. Going to be difficult in Champions League, but he starts at home, Red Bull Salzburg against Genk from Belgium. Those are three. Winnable. Points, yep. potentially, right yep. there. And that would be an amazing way to get the campaign started. Absolutely. Just to wrap up here, just want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're excited about doing this on Mondays. As you can tell, Luis, Miguel, and I will... This is basically what we talk about normally, and now yeah. it's just in a podcast. Exactly. I mean, the only thing that's missing is a few beers and that's it, but but there's no beers here, okay? We don't want to get fired, but <laughs> yet, right. But no, we, we love doing this and uh, I just can't wait to, to keep going, really. Yeah, we want to thank you for joining us. Um, you know, as the uh, season goes on here, I guess it's a never-ending season, send us questions. Um, yes, please. Uh, we're both on Twitter. I'm at Grant Wall. You're at... I have to spell my last name for everybody, but it's L M E C H. E-G-A-R-A-Y-L-M-H-A-G-A-R-A-Y. And we'll try and get you on the show. Also, subscribe to the podcast. We're coming out on Mondays, talking about the weekend. Thursdays will be an interview with somebody intriguing in the world of soccer. Recently, that has included Asif Kapadia, the director of the film Diego Maradona, which Ooh, comes baby. out soon Can't on wait HBO. to watch that one. It's incredible. Uh, Ed Mallion of The Athletic UK came on. We also had the Total Soccer Show guys, Taylor Rockwell and Daryl Grove. We had Aaron West, the budding superstar. Just He's got everywhere, baby. He's everywhere. BRTNT. He's going to be doing cool stuff on their Champions League, traveling around Europe. We also had Crystal Dunn, the world champion. And check out our weekly Planet Football video show where Luis and I will talk about all sorts of uh, things happening in the in the world, kind of looking forward to the weekend. We've also had some great guests recently. Don't we undersell it. We have some great yeah. guests, baby. Like some really good ones. Yeah, we've had Carly Lloyd. We've had Raphael Honigstein, Arlo White, Jessica McDonald, Guillaume Balaguer, Greg Berhalter, Pierluigi Colina, Dome Tarant, Miguel Delaney, and Jesse Marsh. Two more good ones on the way this week. You can find that show if you Google YouTube Planet Football. It's the second listing. Or go to planetfootball.com where it's front and center every Friday. I think we got this first episode out of the way here, and I really enjoyed it, my friend. Thank I you. I had a great time. I, I wish it was a little longer, but, you know, nothing can always be, you know, what we want it to be. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>